0: What's up? And welcome back to the 48 Men Podcast. Today is a special guest. His name is Eric Decker. Eric is a husband, father, former pro NFL player. Dad of the year, it sounds like, basically, because uh, before the podcast started, we had a little conversation about his family. So, Eric, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, man. Appreciate you having me on. I was excited for this one.
0: And man, I'm really looking forward to our, to our conversation. And like I just said, you, you, know, you played football for eight seasons as a wide receiver. Um, so just, Rena, you know, right off the bat, did you always want to play professional football? And, and what was your journey like to getting there?
1: You know, my original dream was to be a professional baseball player. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, early 90s. The Twins were good. Curry Puckett was my favorite player. I think I wore his jersey four years in a row, to be honest. Never took it off. Um, so I was just... All in baseball, grew up in a really small town and amateur baseball was was really big. So going to the baseball park, being a bat boy, shaking balls, doing the scoreboard, you know, just an array of things. I just love the game, Um, but just love sports. So as I got older and football was introduced, um, I think I really just love the team aspect more because it's, you know, football is such a different sport in that sense that it's an ultimate sacrifice uh, for one common goal. And, um, I think it just, again, like I said, really attracted me in the high school years and just fire that lights, nothing like it, but from high school, being in a small town, not going to camps, I wanted to go to this division three school near my house. I was, I'm a creature habit. Uh, I don't like to venture out too much. And so that was kind of my path that I was, was, was on and got invited to a one day camp at Minnesota. Um, and at that camp, Glenn Mason was the head coach, and he offered me a scholarship that changed my life. Um, took it, went to Minnesota, had an amazing four years. Um, got to play baseball as well for a few years, and then ended up getting drafted from Denver.
0: That's awesome. Were you, were you the only kid on your team that played both sports During, in college? Yeah. yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's
1: not funny, but what, what worked out was our head coach Mason Glenn Mason. Got fired after our second bowl game, um, due to just like the biggest comeback in bowl history. Texas Tech, we were beating him by 31 points at halftime. They came back and beat us. Uh, he got fired immediately after the game. But that gave me the opportunity to try out for the baseball team uh, and play for a few years.
0: Yeah. So if you if if you would have pursued the baseball dream, do you think that? I mean, do you think that you could have made that you could have made it to the major leagues as well?
1: I don't know. I mean, baseball is tough, and I don't think I was as conditioned or defined as a player. I had uh, some strengths, but I also had some pretty big weaknesses, especially at, at the plate, uh, just off speed. And and that's one of those sports where it's just repetition. It's getting you know thousands of at bats to get comfortable. And you know, honestly, I think the ultimate decision for me was just a lifestyle choice because baseball, being on the road as much as they are, and the, you know, how long the season is, there isn't a lot of consistency. And I was a person that loved consistency, thriving routine, and football gave me that structure more.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. Because baseball, I mean, it really is like, I mean, if you look at single A, double A, triple A, then if you ever make it to the major leagues, 162 <laughs> games, I mean, it like it, it really a grind. is it's a grind. Yeah. Because I was, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and they're like, because football, you practice, you know, you have you, you play on Sunday, usually on Sunday. You need to get to practice throughout the week. Baseball, with as many games as you play, the only time you practice is really BP and, you know, fielding stuff before the game. There's really yep. no practice. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you. T- I don't know how people have time for any- anything playing 162 games in that tight of a window. It's crazy.
1: And people don't realize, too, with baseball, these guys are showing up to the park probably four, maybe five hours before the game, and then it's a four-hour game, and then it's, you know, a couple hours if, if you're doing some kind of recovery. Uh, or just you know showering and getting out of there, but that's that's a that's a full day, that's a ten hour day every day, and you maybe get one off day a week yeah. for you know six months. I just man, that's that's a and if you got family, that's, that's that's tough.
0: It's a grind for sure. So you come yeah. you come from a very athletic family. Your parents, your aunts and uncles. Did growing like growing up, did that intimidate you or did that motivate you?
1: It was it was definitely motivating. I think that, that's all I knew to be honest. Yeah. Sports was like the backbone of my upbringing and in my community actually sports is was everything as well you know and um I think it helped me just to, to be kind of infused in it and you know uh being able to have a father who played multiple sports at the college level and my sister who was older who was a collegiate athlete as well and that kind of always motivated me or pushed me to be better than having cousins uncles aunts that all played at high level uh you know I think it was something that was nice to have because the conversations were there and the you know, advice and the support system was built in.
0: Yeah. So is that like are you, cause I know that we, before the episode we talked about your kids are playing sports now. Are you, are, yeah. are you, are you coaching them? What sports are they playing? Are, are you going to want to coach them or how, how does that, how does that work?
1: Oh, I'm all in. Yeah. You know, my daughter does gymnastics competitively, which has been uh, a lot of fun, but a lot of travel and dedication to the sport um, and then I got two younger boys. My middle is obsessed with football, obsessed with baseball, I got into basketball this last year. And I've helped coach all those. And it's, it's a lot of fun because <clears throat> we've been fortunate to be at a school that there's former teammates of mine or former players that we have kids the same age. And so they become best friends through school and sports. Yeah. And so we've kind of bonded on that to be able to say, like, you know we've retired and moved on from our profession but we've kind of stepped back in in a more fun role to be honest because you see the game now through your kids eyes and it's just it's about having fun it's about learning the game and it's its truly why you know i think we got obsessed from the start
0: yeah so you are you pretty like uh what's the word like lenient as a coach or would you be more <laughs> you know kind of strict with things or how, what, well, what would your philosophy be I go back and forth. I like sit
1: back and and I'll think to myself, like, relax. We're six and seven years old, you know, but at (laughs) the same point, it's kind of like just the basics of like listening and making the same mistake and just kind of, you know, I think processing the game, it's not all the way there. It's gotten a lot better over the year. So I, I challenge myself to like, be hard, but be understanding that yeah. where they're at is, yeah. you know, a, a developmental phase that's so important and most important is that they're having fun and enjoying it because that will carry through, you know, the rest of their career um, and sure. be able to develop
0: the skills. For sure. Yeah. Cause it is like, there is a balance between like, you know, discipline and also like leniency to the extent of like, let them have fun, but also, you know, still correct mistakes and still, you know, call them to be yep. better. 'Cause I I mean, me and Sadie have a daughter, she's one, so I'm not I'm not I'm not where you're at yet, but I can only imagine that when she gets of age and she starts playing Whoa. sports, like I don't want to be too tough, you know, but I do wanna be, you know, correcting and, and and disciplined to where she can be the best she can be. So I even wrestled with that of like, am I gonna be, you know, like a I don't know, I don't wanna be that over demanding parent that's like, <laughs> you know, nobody wants to be around, but I also don't wanna be that the other parent that's like, you know that has no discipline on there. You their... don't want to be that parent. Yeah. You don't. You definitely
1: don't want to be that yeah, you parent because to... I've seen
0: it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, like to your point, I think it's, it's so key is like just, you don't want them creating bad habits, you know? So you're going to like push them because it's funny. I, this makes me think of a conversation I had with my two older kids. We're in the car, you know, come back from a sport event and you know, it's, it's, a you know, you're dedicating your time as well to, to their future um and i, I, I asked them the question Do you want to be good or do you want to be great and they're like what do you mean I'm like do you want to be really good at your sport or do you want to be great at your sport like well i want to be great i'm like okay well daddy's gonna push you a little bit like i'm gonna you know not always be like let me do whatever you want i'm gonna i'm gonna let you know when you know you need to get back inside the line you need to follow directions you need to kind of pick it up um and I think they were accepting of that, and so finding that balance of being that way, but also, you know, loving them for who they are and, and, and however the outcome is.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when you when you finished playing football at Minnesota, you know, like you said, you got drafted by the Broncos, but you missed the NFL Combine and Minnesota's Pro Day. Was that like a tough time for you to not be able to compete in that? Or did you, you know, worry about where you were going to get drafted, or, or how did you kind of combat that time walking through that?
1: Yeah, it, it was extremely tough. Um, I think now I feel that the injury happened to kind of give me a break. I think I was getting burnt out through college of going from football to baseball to football, to baseball, to football. And, you know, I never really got a break to like recover, take a deep breath. It was right in, you know, one sport into the other. Um, so I think it was a blessing in disguise for me. But at the time I was really concerned because, you know, I'm, from Minnesota, I played at Big Ten. You know, not known for wide receivers, you know, per se. I'm I'm a white guy, and they want to see how fast I can run. And I couldn't do that, and so those are some concerns, just in the sense that I wasn't able to compete in that field. Um, and so going into it, I try to do my best in terms of the other uh, workout you know, bench press was basically it for me. But then the the meetings were really important, just showing them that I could uh, understand, you know, defenses. I could, you know, digest offenses and be a quick learner. And, uh, you know, the words I always try to use for myself was consistent, dependable, reliable. Like being able to showcase that was was key for me because I knew I couldn't show, like I said, the skill part of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I can – Yeah, I mean, I bet that's tough, especially if you're wired, you know, just just from a competitive aspect, you know, to not be able to go out there and and show what you can do, because I feel like the combine would be the most fun thing to get to do, because, you know, like like you said, you get to showcase all the skill sets that you've pretty much worked your whole life at, you know, at this camp to really propel yourself, so, yeah, I bet bet that was super tough.
1: It was. It was a grind, though. I mean, it really is a meat market. You, You kind of get paraded in, you, you know, get get your uh, body fat your weight you do the uh certain drill work you're in meetings you're taking all these tests i mean it's just like full days of kind of figuring out who you are um but it was yeah such a special uh experience because you know there's not many that got invited to do it
0: yeah for sure so playing like i said playing through eight seasons what was what are some of your favorite memories that you have from playing from You know, from the Broncos to the Jets to all these different teams that you got the privilege to play for, what are some of your favorite memories from those times?
1: Well, the first one for me is just, I guess, getting drafted. That day was really special. I was at home with probably 100 family and friends. Um, And so to to kind of share that moment was really cool and unique. Um, The biggest one from my career, I guess there's a few, but the first one is just winning the AFC Championship in Denver at home against the Patriots, confetti on the field, celebrating, getting to go to a Super Bowl. You know, that was what it was all about. And that was a really special moment. Um, And my wife, Jess, was pregnant at the time with our first daughter. So, like, you know, it was a really, really special, uh, special moment. And then the second one for me was when I was in New York against New England again, um, and we were vying for a playoff spot. This is the second to last game of the year, and, uh, scored an overtime touchdown, like walk off win, um, and New York, you know, no better place to win than that city. And the stadium just exploded, and that's a memory that's you know forever engraved in yeah. my subconscious. Those two probably, you know, are my favorite.
0: That's awesome. How many year? How many years did you play in the NFL before you had your first child? So, uh, two
1: years. Two, two years, and then yeah, right after. Well, actually no, excuse me. Four years. So after my tenure at Denver, uh, we had our first, first yeah. daughter.
0: What was that like transitioning from, you know, not being a father to being a <laughs> father, like playing a professional sport like that? Was that a was that like a oh man. Like a major difference?
1: Yeah. Well, even the lead up, you know how it is, right? Yeah, when for sure. your wife's pregnant with the first baby and they're going through all these different emotions and, and physical feelings. And my wife has some really tough pregnancies. I mean, she's five one and our kids were nine pounds. So she put on like 55 pounds with our first child. And so she's putting weight on, she's getting a carpal couple tunnel from it. Um, she threw up for the first like two months. I mean, she had, she had sickness bad. And you know, at that time I was you know, kind of selfish in the sense of in my own head, it's, it's my contract year. I wanna re with Denver. I'm you know banged up a little bit and instead of being sensitive and the caring husband, it's like I'm I was more focused at times on myself. And uh, you know, looking back, I wish it was different that way. But um for sure the, the transition of you know, no kids, no responsibilities in a sense to having a kid, I think one, it just completely flipped the script in my head Is like I went to this unselfish space where it's like, this is what it's about. Like, you know, this is life. This is, this is what life is. And, uh, and then it's just navigating through the challenges of having the first kid. And, you know, my wife, uh, breastfed for like eight months and our daughter didn't sleep for the first two years. And, uh, you know, just balancing career, personal and all things was a challenge in itself. But, um, As long as, you know, the the foundation of love is there, you figure a way through it.
0: Yeah, because people always say, or I I always tell people, like, if you want to realize how selfish you are, have children. Because it really (laughs) is, whether it's, like, sleep or vacations or energy, like, nothing is ever the same after it. And it really is. I was thinking about this over the weekend. I was, like, having... Because it was, like... I was thinking about it from, like, a spiritual standpoint. Like, when I was single, if I... If I'm super like strong in my face if, if I'm single, then if you want to get tested, get married and then see, you know, how strong your faith is then. And then I was like, if you if you throw a child or children into the mix, like your faith, it it's it's such a you know, it's like a compounding thing of I was like, Man, I am so much more selfish, quick tempered, non patient, like after having a child than I ever realized I was because I, I was never in the in the in that scenario. And yeah. like you said, it really is the most like selfish, like, like you realize how selfish you are when you, like, when you have a child like that. And then you, yeah, it's, it's it's a great thing when you can realize that about yourself and you're like, okay, how can I course correct this? Because this is going to be damaging to my child. And also my wife, if I keep, you know, having the selfish mindset like that.
1: hundred percent. No, it's so true. And you know, that's why I think having kids is the most rewarding job but also one of the toughest jobs because it's so tough. you, you know you make the decision to bring a child into this world and it's like you are there for them to to raise them to let them grow their wings for you know the rest of their life in a sense and you give up sleep like you said you give up your time you give up uh maybe some of the hobbies or whatever like i think about you know having conversations with buddies and say like, oh how much golf you play now your time? Like I haven't played any golf. Like I haven't done anything in a sense for myself because what am I doing? I'm dropping kids off at school, going and getting some work done. All of a sudden it's pick up school, gymnastics, baseball, football, you know, yeah. here, there, there, you know, so it's, it's uh that is a full-time job. hundred percent. Yeah.
0: If you were to play something after football, like would it be golf or would you want to go shoot hoops or flag football or Church league softball or something like that or like what would you want to go do?
1: A mix of everything. I think yeah. just finding that competitive outlet and that's something I didn't do
0: initially. Um, have you played pickleball at all? Yes, pickleball is so much. Pickleball? Fun. We don't. We sadly don't have any courts so here. Fun. We're not. Uh, yeah. We're not as advanced in here in Louisiana <laughs> as other parts of the world. Uh, but well, yes, you got, you got to push for it. I know. well we we've uh, tried. We we've we've kind of makeshifted uh Sadie's parents have a tennis court at their house, so we're kinda of transitioning a yeah. section of that to be a little pickleball nice. court. But yeah, we love pickleball.
1: Yeah, that's that's been kind a of fun outlet for me. And then yeah, I actually I play um pick up basketball sometimes in the morning at our kids' school at five in the morning if we're dropping off and then uh and then golf when I get a chance. But you know, the excuse is either a charity event or you know, I, went, I Actually, went on a guys' trip not long ago to Denver and played for a couple of days. So it's kind of an in and out situation, but it's just nice to have those outlets to again the competitiveness, the camaraderie. Again, something that you know I, I feel like I've uh, have a hard time replacing from football.
0: You yeah, know, with for the locker sure. Room. For sure. So after after football and, and once having children, everybody always talks about you know getting the dad bod. How did you how do how did you prevent that? And what what do you still need to prevent? you know kind of that coming over you
1: <laughs> um i mean i'll say you know i feel like i'm blessed with decent genetics cuz i have a hard time keeping weight on yeah so my thing is is i'll go into lulls of working out and i'll lose muscle mass faster than i can put it on and um yeah i think it's just being consistent I'm always moving um lifestyle choice right good habits I love being active. Um, I love eating pretty good. Like, I got a garden and some chickens. And so, trying to eat from kind of the land in a sense uh, yeah. is the model. But yeah, I also love to, to treat myself. I always say, like, 80 20 is the rule. 80, you know, try to be clean, try to eat well. 20%, you know, splurge. And for me, that's Krispy Kreme donuts. I'll crush about eight of them in a sitting. Yeah. You know, it's my weakness. But, I think yeah just having that that balance and creating good habits good yeah. lifestyle habits that you know not only carry on through football but for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, how do you gauge how do you gauge the 80 20? Cuz I feel like I like <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I like to say I'm like 70 yeah. 30 but then I just say that and I'm like I actually have no idea what <laughs> like what percentage that is yeah. is unhealthy versus actually I think I'm being healthy.
1: That's a good point. I guess I I feel so yeah, just kind of intermittent fast in the sense I don't eat till noon. I have my coffee, I drink a bunch of water, stay busy till I get hungry about 12, 1 o'clock, and then I'll start going to town. But I guess, yeah, for me it's like, all right, eating the proteins, the good carbs, the vegetables, fruits, and then sneaking in, you know, the, the donuts or yeah. the cookies or, you know, maybe some of the, the fattier – foods yeah. out there but try, try to guess that that's kind of in my head i think i'm 80 20 but maybe i'm not because you yeah. add in the wine or the alcohol sometimes and that, that probably adds up quick
0: no it's good it's good well because i i always say like <laughs> if you try to because usually i just try to eat healthy like throughout the day like if i if i eat breakfast or lunch like i'll try to be decently healthy and kind of you know not a bunch of junk food kind of thing and then right. usually at dinner time, I usually just kind of eat whatever I want. So that's kind of my rule. It's like eating healthy throughout the day. Then at nighttime, I don't really think about it. Because for me, I, I've been through periods where I've struggled with like, you know, the whole like over focusing on it. And I think that some to some extent yeah. it can get just. Yeah. Well, one, it's like if you want to eat a Krispy Kreme donuts, you can because, you know, life is short and they're and they're delicious <laughs> and, and, and you're still in really good yeah. shape. And I feel like if you you know if you restrict yourself from doing that, then at the end you're not as happy as you would be if you just ate the donuts and you know worked out harder the Great. next day or something like that.
1: Great, because I had a buddy who did the 75 day challenge. It was like oh yeah, that those, you know, that
0: is that is the I I don't think I could do that honestly.
1: Never, I could no. never do that. But I'm like, <laughs> like, but how is that transferable to like after the 75 days? He's like, because there's like no alcohol. I forget what
0: it is. Like, it's like no a 30 or 30, 45 minute workout inside and outside. You have yeah, to read like a nonfiction day. book or for like something okay. like that. All, all these weird yeah. things.
1: Like, you burn yourself out where you go backwards almost and just, you know, go go crazy after that. Like, it's, it's just, yeah, consistency. Like you said, treat yourself, try to eat healthy for the most part, get sleep, which I think is key. But I think that, yeah, is and everybody everybody's body's different. So listen to your body, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. And do
1: what do what's good for you.
0: For sure. What kind of workouts do you like to try to do now? And how does that compare to the NFL workouts? Did you enjoy the NFL workouts? Like the kind of more up-tempo, high intensity, I guess, stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of the the running and speed work got cut out. So it's more for me to get like the cardio. Part of it is just the circuit type workouts i still do um, i don't love sitting in the gym for an hour and a half so I try to get it done in like 45 minutes and just go quick but um i'll mix in like some power lifts like i still like a little bit of a clean you know or a, some kind of squat mostly most of the time i do like single leg or single arm stuff just to make it a little bit easier and a lot of dumbbell um just with the wear and tear so i feel like i i do a mix of cardio and some heavier weights, but circuit based. Circuit based, so it's a uh, you know high tempo and getting getting the heart
0: yeah, pumping. That's awesome. So on this podcast, what we like to try to talk about are things that you know to us are more that are more important than physical training, than working out, than you know than sports and all these different type of things. So for you, what are some of those things to you that are more important than than the physical training, than the you know than the sports and, the, and those things?
1: Well, I think number one is like my family is my priority. And I think that then takes another step further into like me being a priority. And I'll say this because I went through a transition of like playing at the highest level. Then all of a sudden, you know, there was a void that needed to be filled um, and then COVID hits. And, you know, I think that after I retired, I was like, Oh, this is great. Don't have to risk, you know, to respond to anyone, don't need to worry about, you know, personal or exterior criticism kind of felt like a, a weight was lifted off my shoulder, but then you get into, all right, well, what's my purpose, you know? And and yeah. you dive into like, what are your passions? What, you know, what makes you happy? And I felt like I just got into this like lull because the kids were at home with no school during COVID did have a space for me just to kind of like digest of, you know, who am I? because football in a sense, it was a distraction for eight years plus through college of like, you know, be here at this time, this is what you do, you know, this is how you recover and everything was so rigid that I never had time to think, you know like what what is it that like who am I and what is it that I want to do for a second career? I, I never gave enough time for that. And so like we had a sports psychologist in, in college and I reached back out to him and just had conversations with, um, you know, older friends and mentors. And I think, you know, it's been self-discovery in a sense um, for me since I retired. I'm like, what do I want to do in this next chapter outside of being a, a husband and a father, um, you know, and I've stepped into a role of running my wife's uh, brand fashion brand. Like that's been good things, but finding out, okay, who is Eric? What does he want to do for the next 20, 30 years? Um, and that, that to me is, is you know, as important mentally and emotionally as, you know, the physical part.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you, still, do you do you think that you still would have had that moment of identity kind of crisis like that if COVID still didn't hit? If you, you know, still going from playing to not playing, do you still think that would have happened? I think,
1: yes, it just would have taken a little bit longer because yeah. I was distracting myself with things throughout the day as the kids were at school and, and got to spend you know, time with Jess, um, where as the kids were here, you know, it felt like it kind of piled on, snowballed a lot faster. Um, and it was like, Whoa, like, all right, what, what can I do for me? You know, like this is what I'm doing for, for, you know, my wife, for my kids, for my community. What am I, what am I doing for myself? Yeah. Um, and and so that yeah, expedited the process hundred percent.
0: Yeah. How, how do you balance that? Like what are, what are, practical things that you put into place? Cause like I said, your wife's on tour right now. Your kids are playing sports. They're still in school. How do you balance yourself, work life, family life, all those different things?
1: I feel like I'm still figuring that out. You know, Um, I I know that, you know, working out is a priority because it gives me, you know, um, many many outlets uh, just for the the mental part of it, the, the physical um, the endorphins, right? And then the second thing is is, to, is, is being more proactive in reaching out to friends, uh, getting together and having fellowship with other guys. Um, you know something that early on I wasn't able to do because I was so used to it being built in in the locker room. you know And that like I said, it's still probably the hardest thing to replace is that camaraderie and that kind of safe haven in a sense of a locker room. Uh, where you could go every day and, and, and have that. So being more proactive with that um, has been a big part of the balance. And then you know I think again just making sure that I'm eating healthy, I'm getting sleep, um, and, and I'm doing stuff that I'm passionate about. And you know sports, family, you know exploring, which
0: is traveling and and, and learning different things. But- yeah, you talked earlier about being a creature of habit and a person of routine. And I feel like your lifestyle kind of can sometimes, can sometimes not let you kind of, oh, yeah. you know, have that strength or like really let you be that. So are you still like, are you still a creature of habit now? And like, what are things that you do? Is that a, is that a struggle of yours to like, because for me, I'm the same, I'm such a routine person, creature of habit. And then when me and Sadie got engaged, married, started dating, all those things, her lifestyle is so crazy. And, like, this week we're traveling, next week we're going on a mission trip, and it's like I I, I can never really keep my same routine that I, I like to try to have. So is that something yep. that you ever struggle with and kind of walk through?
1: Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I definitely have gotten comfortable, I guess, in a sense, being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I try to find, I guess, this little times in the day, and that's why I think I, you know, I love being outside in my yard. It kind of grounds me. So starting a garden, having the chickens, it kind of gives me uh, a reboot, you know, from from kind of a, the crazy life we live. Because yeah, Jess is the same way, where she's on tour right now and she's in a different city. She's you know got a book she's writing. She's got you know clothing lines. Just boom boom boom, everything's going on, and it's like then you got the, you throw in the kids' activities and and then, then the travel personally and just trying to make sure that you're always on top of things, which, which is tough and it's ever changing. Um, yeah. So finding the little things like that, that help me, you know, again, like I said, stay grounded and, and, and provide me some kind of routine. And for me, when we're home, dropping the kids off, it's like, I got to drop the kids off, go get a workout in. Like that is a good start to the day for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. So are you more introverted and she's more extroverted? You know what? I think we're,
1: I think we're actually flipped. I think. Well, you know what? I gotta think about that because we took the Myers Briggs test. The Myers Briggs
0: test. Yeah. I Sadie was. uh Oh shoot! I'm gonna. I think I'm E. No. I think I was e, ISFJ. She was ENFP. So she was more. She, she was like. Yeah, I was, I'm introverted. ISFJ. ISFJ. Yeah, me too. The thoughtful leader. Oh, awesome! We're the same. Yeah, how about that? There we go. See this. this see what's this? your What's your enneagram then? Uh, one. You're a one. What are you? I'm a two. A two. See, I'm a one wing two. We we we've gone back and forth on mine. Um, like I thought I was a two because I love to help, but I feel like at the core I'm a very like efficient. Um, I'm not like not not really necessarily perfectionist in the sense of like everything has to be super like nice and neat. My house has to be perfect. I feel like it's like. If I'm traveling or if we're doing something, I like things to be. I don't know if 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 I want it to function this way and it's not functioning this way, then it, things like that can frustrate me. So drive-through yeah. lines, traffic, all these other things. But but at the core, I also love to help people. So
1: yeah, I'm probably the same way. Like I'm super into efficiency. So if, if what is one? What, what's the title of one? So
0: one. The title of a one is perfectionist. Um, perfectionist but it's also yeah. like efficiency. Ju- like, like justice oriented, right and wrong. Like if things are, um, like you're really justice oriented and those things. And then, yeah, yeah the two, two is okay. the helper. I should know that.
1: Cause I'm a two one. Yeah. And I think I'd teeter for sure. Like they both were, you know, pretty, pretty level, I think in terms of the score, but yeah, that's, that's funny. That's interesting. What is, so Sadie's the complete opposite.
0: Yeah. 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 So Sadie's the complete opposite. So we did the test and I think I was, uh, what was it? Uh, Twenty out of twenty-one introvert. No, I was nineteen out of twenty-one oh, wow. introvert. She was twenty out of twenty-one extrovert. So we did the test. We were like <laughs> polar opposites on everything. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. Even even with the Enneagram, I don't know if you've done this because yeah, I'm a one. She's a seven, wing six. What is what is your wife? What is your wife in the Enneagram? She's,
1: she's an eight, I think. Is an eight like a challenger? Yeah, she's eight the, the challenger. challenger. Yeah, she's an eight for she's sure. An eight.
0: Yeah. Well, a two <laughs> a a two in health goes to an eight, I think. Right. It does, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah two and a yeah, half. I got yeah. the book somewhere. So yeah, have you have you read the relationship parts of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we yeah, we we were it's big important. on that. It's very important, man. People <laughs> neglect that. People don't actually think that's beneficial, but it's like if you know what you're prone to do and what your strengths and weaknesses are, and you, if you know what your spouses are, it makes arguments, it makes tiffs and frustrations, and even just you know things that you agree on. It makes it so much different because yeah. you have an understanding for where the person's coming from.
1: I agree because I'm 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 very sensitive and she is me too you know, kind of black and white like she's like this is how it is this is boom and it's like you know for me it's like either a punch in the face yeah. or it's like yeah okay no <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah well that that was me on the feelings on the thing because Sadie's a thinker and I'm a feeler so I go off like my gut and she always is afraid she's gonna like make me upset but then again I'm also <laughs> super like black and white so I'm like how do I also be a man of the household. But not be like overly sensitive to my wife who <laughs> who can sometimes be challenging.
1: Yeah. Well that's, that's probably good though. I mean that's I honestly good. think it's a good mix, especially when you're an opposite, but the fact that as a man, if you have that ability uh, to be a little bit more sensitive, you know, I think things are smoother,
0: honestly. Yeah, for sure. I think I, I would definitely agree with that. So did yeah. you did you always want to be a parent growing up? I did, yeah. Yeah. I, I've always
1: loved Uh, helping younger kids and you know I always thought it'd be really cool to have my own right and um, I was somewhat younger not as young as you but my first child I was 20 actually I was 27 I was 27 28 and then 31 so younger in a sense but yeah I've always wanted to have kids
0: yeah so we, we I kind of talked a little earlier about, for me, it was kind of more patience, um, selfishness, and all those things. So since having kids, what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned and also the biggest thing that you think that you've grown in?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing I learned, you know, revolves around being unselfish. And it's it's kind of, you know, like the perfectionist thought process I would have sometimes is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it just needs to be in a a space that is enjoyable, that is enlightening, that is fun. And, you know, I think I've learned a lot, honestly, from my wife who, um, always is positive, you know, always has a really good outlook on things. And sometimes I'll, I'll be hard on myself or, you know, I'll just be down and out about something. And, you know, it's helped me be like, you know what, like, yeah, this is what life is you like know you have kids to, to do these really cool experiences and, and and just the unconditional love you know and just kind of being all in and being completely unselfish uh, is so rewarding because what you get from your kids especially at a young age you know is uh, the, the daddy or the I love you you know all those things just melt your heart completely yeah um, definitely the biggest thing I learned and then The place that I've grown the most is, you know, I feel like I've always been a patient person, Um, but just (laughs) being able to be a lot more patient in stressful environments, you know, at the same point, like I love the the daddy, the daddy. And then when it's too much daddy and it's, you know, one that's needy and the other one's asking these questions and one's crying, throwing a fit and just like you're in a stressful environment. It's like, all right. Take a deep breath. Let's process (laughs) one problem at a time here. Let's get through it. Um, Those moments come up and obviously they'll never go away. And so I think learning how to, you know, navigate through them without being, you know, like a pit bull and and scaring your kids and, you know, because they're they're developing so much of what they see from their parents. Right. So, you know, you got to be really conscious of how you respond to them and, and how you, uh, respond to certain situations um, and, and that, sure. that gives them the confidence and, and really the vision of how to handle things.
0: For sure. And even just, you know, after getting married and, and, and being a parent, humility for me has been one of just the biggest things. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, whether it's through, like, I mean, like I said, arguments with your wife, like if you're not, if you're, if you're not humble and even with your children, you know, humility is such a big thing. And I was even thinking last night we were on a flight and one of the most humbling things ever is being on a flight with like a 1 year old or just your child. I mean, it was it was only an hour flight, but it was like it was a connecting flight, but it was an hour of she only took a nap, she only took a 1 hour nap yesterday. She usually takes like two 2 hour naps. She she missed her nap yep. times. She was kicking the seat in front of us. The person keeps turning around. She's screaming on the flight. She's not taking a bottle and it was literally like before before every flight, I usually turn around to people around us and I usually tell them like, hey, if you have headphones, like I would advise you to I'll advise you to wear headphones during this flight. And if you don't, we'll get yeah. some from the flight attendant. Because it really is like, well, first off, they can't really necessarily control that. But like you said, in, in stressful situations, it's like, where's my patience? Like I can be patient when she's saying data, when she's, you know, being super cute and sweet, but How's my patience when she's screaming on a flight? She's, she's kicking the seat in front of us, and the person in front of us is maybe not as understanding. And Sadie's stressful. And then yesterday, honey, uh, she vomited some, something that she ate. So the whole flight, it was like she reeked. And there was no little baby clothes in the airport. So it was like I was almost tempted to put my mask back on. We just took the mask off. I almost put the mask back on so I didn't have to smell her the whole flight. But, yeah, it's Seriously. like you know, where's my patience at during, you know, during those stressful moments.
1: Yeah. It's so true. And like every phase of their life is is something, you know, and I think, yeah, you're not going to conquer that skill, but like being able to develop it and and be conscious and like you said, have humility and like, all right, well, I'm going to fail at times, but how do I, you know, get better? So I'm better for, you know, my wife, for my kids and and can demonstrate, you know, proper. Proper uh, manners, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the one of the things we do on this podcast is usually at the end we ask the guest to give a physical challenge and then also a spiritual challenge for me, for you, for whoever's listening to go out and do this week. To um, yeah, to encourage people, to challenge people, to keep people engaged in kind of what we're trying to do. So, um, do you have two challenges to give us?
1: I sure do. You know, the first challenge in terms of just being physical, I think. I mentioned earlier, just being active, when, whatever that means for you, doesn't mean having to go to the weight room and get on a treadmill for 20 minutes or lift a certain amount of weights. I think it's it's just just keep moving. And so, whether it's you know instead of taking a an Uber a mile somewhere, if you can walk, walk. You know, if yeah, um, you know, you're at home, do some chores around the house instead of sitting at the TV and watching TV. Like that, that's that's the challenge is. Is, is being active i think that's that's one of the keys to life keep moving that's that's how you get through it um, and the spiritual challenge you know i, I think it's more so for myself i think about it is is to uh, pray with my kids more at night be more consistent we pray but not consistently enough and you know reading um, chapter from the bible and being able to just talk about the bible and have that part of our routine at night i think is definitely a challenge uh for me and, and for those out there with with kids
0: yeah for sure awesome man well those are those are great thank you so much for being on today i loved getting to talk with you and hear you know more of your heart with your family and even just your sports journey it's been a it's been a wild ride but that's awesome
1: yeah well i appreciate having you, Kristen. That was a lot of fun hopefully yeah, we can do it again chop it up in, in real life sometime let's
0: do it again yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get a workout in sounds good sweet hey, you get on your level man let's go no, no I need to get on your level
1: oh you look pretty thick you know I was like sitting here trying to bulk <laughs> up my chest a little bit
0: I've been working I've, I've been doing hey to, 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 to keep a podcast sustainable you have to keep working out and so it pushes me to keep, it pushes me to keep doing it everyone always says you've been working out and I was like well I have a podcast about fitness so I gotta I gotta keep That's it gotta keep doing it